Hey, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in. I do appreciate you. As always, feel free to reach out, Jeff, at beekeepingfornewbies.com. I want to send a special thanks to our patrons, Mary, Adam, Candice, David, Michael, and Susie. Thank you all so very much for your contributions to the cause here. And uh, as we continue to try and innovate and come up with new cool things to do, we certainly appreciate your support. Another big thank you out to the folks to our north here in Canada. Uh, at a point this week, we did hit number 17 up there and number three in Ireland. Probably not going to last long, but we had a good day. So thank you, everybody, for that in Canada and Ireland. Okay, so today we are going to talk about whether or not to feed the honeybees. Now, we do have a previous episode on supplemental feeding. This was episode 15, and as a true professional that I am, one might expect that I went back and I listened to that episode. So I definitely did that in preparation for this discussion today. But since that episode actually was a little bit different, I'm going to focus on some specific challenges that I'm hearing in emails, things that are coming up in the Discord room, or specifically around feeding. So I'm going to do my best to kind of, you know, cover some of the basics again, but would definitely recommend that you revisit that episode and then uh, and then come back to this one so you can kind of maximize the amount of information that you get across the entire subject. With that, let's go ahead and dive right in. As I look at this through the eyes of a new beekeeper, this is really confusing to me. I have a new hive of honeybees. Honeybees drink nectar. They gather pollen from the flowers. They bring it back to the hive. It's spring slash summertime, kind of depending on where you live. Grass is growing. You know, you're cutting the grass every week. Um, your neighbors, they have, you know, flowers that are that are blossoming in bloom. They're looking great. Why in the world would I ever need to feed anything to my bees, right? It, it, it seems kind of counterintuitive when all of these things are alive around you. So let's talk about that to kind of level set everything and to get things started. So some of the reasons that you might need to feed, you know, could be, I mean, 90% of it really is environmental. There are some situations where the environment has nothing to do with it, right? You have things that you've done, interventions you've made, things that you've been doing to and with the hives and the colonies that are going to impact their need to be fed. But in general, it's kind of an environmental type of thing. Things that are in bloom, like in your neighborhood or in your area, may not be the things that are being fed on by the bees at a point in time. So just because a certain flower might be present doesn't mean it's a flower that the bees are interested in, or just because a certain fruit or vegetable or you know other type of flowering or blossoming type of plant is there, it just it doesn't mean that it's something that they're interested in. Another thing to consider too is the time of year that you get your bees, you may have gotten them at a point that is actually already past the flowering phases of those plants in that part of the season or that time of year. I mean, a specific example for me, I have a couple of cherry trees right next door with my neighbor and I. They bloom around late March, early April. But if I were starting some package bees, as an example, and I got those in, let's say, late April, the blossoms on the cherry trees have already come and gone by the time that those Package bees would be there like in you know mid to late April or even nukes that typically show up around May. Then the other thing to contend with is competition from native pollinators and, and other honeybees. There could be some competition for those resources which may deplete them in your area. 
So there are definitely some reasons as to why those resources might be scarce. So when we speak about the scarcity, you know, as you listen to the podcast or you chat about it in the Discord, um, you know, and if you're having discussions anywhere else, you know, you might hear people use the word dearth, D-E-A-R-T-H. I don't know why this word sounds so weird to me. I always think back to when my girls were younger. They, uh, they used to watch iCarly with uh, Miranda Cosgrove. There was this episode where they made up a word that was supposed to be a new number that fell between five and six called DERF, D-E-R-F. So she's like playing a prank on some kid or something like that. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's one, two, three, four, five, DERF, six, seven, and so on. So it literally, like every time I hear the word DERF, that's what I think about. So now you have a glimpse into what goes on in my brain housing group when I'm alone. But I digress. Recognizing that you are in a DERF is relatively easy because the colony that has hundreds of bees coming in and out for a couple of months is mostly just hanging out by the front door guarding their stash, right? I mean, the activity level doesn't just slow during a dearth. It becomes nearly non-existent. Now, a quick side note, if you are in a dearth, this would be a good time to reduce your entrance sizes. Even sometimes, even stronger colonies can really have a hard time depending on what is trying to rob from them. So these robbers and the bullies, they're going to show up and uh, like I said, even if it's a strong hive, they can they can really be uh, decimated or at least weakened significantly. So get those entrances a little bit smaller during a dearth, and that might help you out. So w- with the dearth, you know, what does that really mean for you as a beekeeper? If you have an established hive, you know, like the ones, for example, at my apiary, there's a good variety of forage. It's blooming at different times. You know, they don't need to be fed. I haven't, they've been down there for a few years. I haven't fed them at all. They may go through, you know, some resources during that transitional blossoming and flow periods where there's a little bit less at a time than another, but they are self-sufficient. And like I said, I moved them there a couple years ago and haven't had to feed them since. Now, had I split them, you know, once or twice and, you know, or maybe I, I harvested honey and I pulled too much of it this spring. I would absolutely keep feeding, keep a close eye on them during the summer and and just feed them as needed, particularly if I had done some late season splits. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard me say before that I always feed packaged bees, right? I mean, I get to a point where, you know, they have about two full deeps of brood and food or, you know, one deep and maybe a couple of mediums. That's kind of when I start to pull back a little bit and give them a break. But outside of that, they're going to get fed. Now, from here in my mind, this is where we move on to kind of the next topic. But again, trying to trying to think about this from the new beekeeper's perspective, I don't know that we've really answered the why. So let's kind of get into some of the nutritional aspects of things and see if we can kind of pull it all back together. Now, a lot of this is review, but it's okay since it often helps to kind of repeat things and, you know, hear them more than once in order to kind of solidify them in your, in your brains, in your mind. So quick high level. In addition to other nutrients, uh, you know, nectar is going to give the bees carbs and that immediate energy that they need to function while the pollen is providing the protein. You know, of course, protein is going to have, you know, amino acids and other other things that are highly scientific that I'm not the, the real expert in. But obviously, you know, amino acids are the building blocks of protein and all of that. With these two things together, we can then make more bees, right? These are the components that go together to feed new larvae, to feed young bees, So this can lead to a bit of a problem or a challenge when you're feeding sugar syrup. And if you're continuing to provide a lot of that nectar and that carb, then they may continue to use 
some pollen and bee bread and things that they've put aside for later use. So now with the artificial stimulation of this brood production and the use of all this surplus bee bread or pollen that might be available, in some cases they may not actually be able to replace that before the winter. Well, you're thinking, hey, we're going into the winter. doesn't really matter. Anyway, they don't need it, which is pretty much true. But quite often they will have that set aside so that in the spring, as soon as an early flow kicks in, they've got some there already ready. They just need a little bit of that nectar to get things going and they have it available to start feeding. So if they if they use up all of their surplus in the in the you know summer and fall, they just might not have enough in the spring. Now, is that the end of the world? Probably not, right? They can usually find things and find pollen and replace that. But there are times where as they're starting to rear new brood and it's still a little bit cold outside, having those resources immediately available gives them that jump start. And that's also an area where some people will, you know, throw a pollen patio on at the end of the winter just to kind of give them that last little boost as they're working their way up towards the top of the hive, but kind of a separate subject. Now, also, you know, on the nectar side of things, you can keep bees alive by supplemental feeding, you know, the sugar syrup, but it's kind of sort of like raising your kids on, you know, Count Chocula and Lucky Charms and expecting them not to be weird. I mean, for the record, I grew up in the 80s, and those are the cereals I had for breakfast. So look at me, right? When you think about what you want from your bees, look, this is what you're going to get right here. But... In all seriousness, it's it's sort of like feeding your kids candy bars, honey buns, you know, blooming onions every day, right? Are they alive? Yeah. But are they thriving? Are they as healthy as they can be? You know, probably not so much. So the nutritional value really needs to be considered as well. So hopefully that helps to kind of explain a little bit of the nutritional differences sort of between the, the sugar and the natural forage because it's really important to kind of recognize that you're not getting that nutritional benefit that you are from from what they would naturally be foraging on. Now, one thing that I did kind of leave out of that discussion is that you can replace those proteins and amino acids if you're uh, if you're finding a way to incorporate that in through some kind of a pollen substitute. So, a lot of people use pollen patties. I haven't had tremendous luck with them. What I have done is use the you know just regular pollen substitute in the PVC tubes, and I hang them about six seven feet off the ground wire them to a tree branch. That seems to work really well. I've seen people take big plastic tubs and make them into big, you know, large pollen feeders, which is great as well. The real key point to keep in mind when you're making these dry pollen feeders, you got to keep the pollen, or the pollen substitute, you got to keep it dry. Once it gets wet, it's completely useless. Now you can also mix some of it in with your sugar syrup just be careful because if you put too much in, it'll get really thick. And if you're using some kind of a feeder, like the ones I did with the five-gallon bucket feeders or, or something like that, or maybe like the jars where you make you know penny nail kind of holes in the lids and it kind of drips through, those can get clogged up with the, real, with the thickness that is created by adding a lot of the you know, pollen substitute to your sugar syrup. So just kind of, be again, be mindful of that depending on the different types of feeders that you're using. And maybe a frame feeder or a top feeder would do a little bit better with that. Or you can just make your own pollen patties, you know, using sugar syrup and, and pollen substitute. If that's something of interest, let me know. We can kind of revisit that as well. Or I think there's like 400,000 YouTube video, videos on it. So either way, whatever works for you. But finding a way to replace that pollen and provide some of that nu nutritional benefit would absolutely be helpful. Now let's get a little bit into the religious aspect of feeding. 
and I don't mean like the Christianity kind of standpoint, but you know, some people get really bent out of shape about how it should never be done. And, you know, to a certain extent, I kind of get that. I understand it's a balancing act, right? Some people have the mindset, well, you shouldn't be taking so much from your bees that they're unable to survive on their own. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's okay. It's no problem. I'll just feed them. I want the honey, right? So how do you balance that out? If you're a commercial beekeeper and you're selling honey at, you know, you're probably selling it at a wholesale for a couple of dollars, you know, a gallon or whatever it is. But let's say that you're doing retail. I mean, you're probably somewhere in that $35, $38 a pound price tag, right? Well, how much is it for a 25 pound bag of sugar or whatever other means of feeding that you might be using? You might be able to make the case that harvesting that honey and selling that provides you five or 10 X the revenue. But I think you, you sort of have to kind of revisit your, your why, you know, for your beekeeping journey. Like if you're doing it to make money selling honey, then the bees become nothing more than a production factory. And you, you know, you, you do what you have to do. If you're taking the, you know, save the pollinators approach, then I'm guessing maybe you're concerned about their health, their quality of life. You know, that being said, maybe you should let them, you know, keep their honey and you only take the surplus. Now, I'm not trying to pick a fight with anyone or start trouble, you know. I mean, it's like every other industry, right? Would, would cows be happier if we didn't, you know, if we let them graze the land and we didn't milk them two or three hours a day or whatever? I'm sure they probably would be, but people want milk, right? Would honeybees be healthier healthier only surviving off of pollen and nectar? Sure. But they only live like 40 to 60 days in the summer anyway, so are you willing to have them be slightly less healthy to draw more comb and create larger hives and maybe live five to seven days fewer, you know, maybe, right? I don't fault anyone for their management strategy as they, you know, they got to do what they got to do. You got to do what's best for them. But again, I just want you to kind of keep in mind that everything has pros and cons. Like if we don't supplemental feed and we have strong native colonies based on their own forage, would they be better able to resist mites and other infections, right? I think this is something that I've, I've heard actually recently that, what was it, something about feeding honeybees creates an increased level of pH in their bodies, which also becomes more favorable for, for Varroa, I think I heard. So it's, it's things like that to be mindful of. Now, like, I'm not trying to make it sound like a lecturing. I just want everybody to kind of look at things from all perspectives. Now, the one question I get all the, all the time here, right, is to, to feed or not to feed, and if so, when and for how long, right? So, so here's kind of where we are with this. I broke this down into three categories. I got it kind of the must feed, the optional, and then the the not advised. The general rule that I have is if you need to feed, you just feed them until they stop taking it up, basically. The bees are always going to prefer nectar that is in the environment. They prefer what the flowering plants are providing much more than sugar syrup. So if you start feeding early, maybe like where I am, if you started feeding in March, they might be taking that up, and then you hit late March, early April, and they're getting into the swarm zone, and you know things are in bloom, and they won't even touch it. So you you, know, you pull it back, get rid of it, make some more, you know, late May, early June, and when they start taking it up again, you know that they're getting a little scarce. But the must feed to me is package bees, and I've said that several times. If I have package bees, I always feed them because they can easily starve to death. You can install them, let's say, on a Saturday morning, and they've got nothing in there, right? I mean, you put them in with the wax foundation, you know, a couple pounds of bees, 
queen in the cage. And then it rains all day Sunday. Maybe it rains all day Monday. Maybe Tuesday it's not rainy, but it's cold. So they really can't fly. They're going to start starving to death. And you got to remember, right, that queen, even though she's a mated queen and she's ready to start laying eggs, she's got to get released. They have to draw up comb, right? They have to have nectar to, for them to want to start drawing up comb. So they've got to get out and start bringing in some nectar. They're going to start drawing up the comb. Then the queen starts laying. And then 21 days later, you see that first new worker being born. When you stick, as an example, a frame feeder in with that package of bees, they can be taking up that sugar syrup all night. Day and night, doesn't matter. They can be taking it up, drawing up foundation, drawing up new comb, and the queen can start laying right away. And if you do have a couple days of some bad weather, they still have something to eat and to stay alive. If you're doing late season splits, now for me, late season splits would be like right now. You know, we're in a dearth. There's not a lot of resources available. And, you know, you may say, hey, I've got a couple colonies that are just bursting at the seams. It was a huge summer or a huge spring flow. Maybe you want to go ahead and do a couple of splits. Okay, cool. But you probably ought to feed them, right? It's not a bad idea because there's just not a lot of resources in the environment. That new queen that you've got mated, she's not going to be laying eggs. She's not going to be doing anything in that colony because there's no food coming in. Now, a scenario where you might need to feed is let's say you've got like a new nuke or maybe the nuke has been you know, depleted for some reason. Like um, as an example, maybe I've done splits before where I took a single really large colony and broke it up into like four or five and I just didn't have enough honey frames. So maybe like three of them got a honey frame and the fourth and fifth one did not. I might go ahead and feed that colony, even though it's a nuke. For all intents and purposes, it's really a package bees, right? Go ahead and feed them. Now, if you have a full frame of honey or some open nectar, maybe you just put that in there with it. Keep an eye on them. You might need to feed them. You might not. Now, the never feed list, it's kind of short here. It really is if the temperatures outside are getting cold. I mean, they've got it. You know, you're getting towards the end of the year. Let's say it's the fall and you realize they're a little light and you want to supplemental feed them. They've got to take in that sugar syrup. They've got to bring it to the colony. They've got to, you know, draw up the comb. They've got to put it somewhere. And then they've got to have time for it to cure and get the moisture content reduced to a point where they can cap it to store it for the winter. If you start putting sugar syrup out when it's too cold, they won't even take it up. They're not even going to try. Now, I don't know what the official threshold is. I think it's somewhere in that, like, 55, 57 degrees Fahrenheit, 13 degrees Celsius, somewhere in that range. But if it's starting to get cold like that, you're really wasting your time putting it out there at all. So this leads into the how do I mix up sugar syrup, because this is something that comes up all the time as well. Regular regular uh, topic of discussion. This is not me. This is not my great idea. But this is, again, a Michael Palmer thing. But I use my five-gallon bucket. I go about three inches, four inches or so down from the top, take a Sharpie, and I make a line. I fill the sugar up to that line. I then take a paddle-style mixer on a drill. I add water until the water comes up. And what will happen is as the water is going in, it'll start filling some of the space around the sugar. I stick the mixer in, mix it up, and that line's going to drop down about four or five inches. I add more water back to the line. Put the mixer back on, run it again, mix it again. Water's going to drop about three inches. I put more water in back to the line. 
put the mixer back on there, spin it around, get it all mixed up. And I keep doing that until the water level, the sugar syrup level, does not go below the line that I drew. Now, according to Michael Palmer, that is a perfect two-to-one solution. Now, you have a lot of people that are going to say, well, that's great, but I want to use a one-to-one solution. When Michael Palmer gave that discussion where he was talking about that, he said, I always do two-to-one because it gives them twice as much at the same time and it's less effort for them, and they're able to get more sugar concentration at one time. Now, I think the argument for the one-to-one is that, you know, it's probably a more of a consistency closer to what you would see, you know, in nectar. And it's supposed to stimulate, you know, the drawing of comb and all of that. My position is I've been doing this two-to-one based on what he said for many years, had a lot of success with it, and I'm just going to keep on doing it. I think if it's two-to-one or one-to-one, if they've taken it in and they need a place to put it and they don't have it, they're going to draw comb. I mean, obviously, you always have scenarios where maybe they don't want to expand left or right or up. So that's going to be a challenge to deal with no matter what. But outside of that, if you give them sugar syrup at whatever concentration it is, if they want to store it, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to draw some comb. So the last thing to kind of think about is because people are going to say, okay, well, I recognize that you're telling me maybe I should feed and that there are times where it's advisable, maybe times where I shouldn't. What if I'm just taking a hard line like, hey, I want the bees to survive in their environment. I want it to be all natural. I don't want to give them any sugar syrup. I get it. I also completely can understand why you want them to be, you know, all natural and healthy and only surviving off what's in the environment. It's just that every now and then they need a little bit of extra help, right? The the world that we live in today is not the world that the pollinators were in 50 or 100 years ago. We've got a lot of concrete and asphalt and herbicides and pesticides and people sides and like all kinds of things that are out there just messing up all parts of the world they might need a little bit of help so if you don't feed it's it's kind of a pretty straightforward thing right if if it's a time of year where they might need feed and you're like nope not going to do it i mean if they run out of stored honey and nectar they're going to die i mean there's just not much more to say about that if you open the hive and you see nothing but drawn comb and no resources are in there, that colony's days are numbered. So if you do feed, well, you get to save the day, right? Just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. I'm, I'm not a scientist or a biologist. I can't tell you all of the nuances behind, you know, why sugar syrup isn't necessarily the best thing for them. But I think when you just objectively compare plant nectar to dissolved sugar, I think common sense would dictate that what's naturally occurring in the environment is probably a lot better for them than than pure sugar. Okay, folks, well, that pretty much wraps it up for this episode here. There is so much more to do, many more updates coming, a lot of cool things going on. One one thing I have discovered is that if I mention things that I'm thinking about or planning, they kind of don't happen. And I wish that was a joke. I wish I was kidding around and then that was just me being silly. If I said, for example, hey, guys, I'm going to try and get one more episode out by the end of the weekend, guaranteed it wouldn't happen. Right now, I'm not going to do that for the record. But if I said that, guaranteed that it wouldn't happen. So I've got a lot of things in the works right now. As they start happening, as they are accomplished, I will update everybody, keep you in the loop. I'll mention it in the Discord room as well. So if you're not in the Discord room, just go to Beekeeping for Newbies. That's N-E-W-B-E-E-S dot com. 
on the page, there is a link to the Discord server, so please jump in there and keep chatting. I think we got about 130 people in there now, so it's growing every day, which is super cool. And I will keep everyone updated as to the progress and the things that are developing and going on there. And uh, we got some, some new benefits coming up for the patrons here shortly. We got some swag that we're going to be sending out. So, again, I probably shouldn't have even mentioned that because I don't have it done yet, but I did. So, sorry, that's not going to happen. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up for the day. Again, thank you so very much for taking the time to listen. Reach out, Jeff, at beekeepingfornewbies.com, and feel free to join us on the Discord server. That's beekeepingfornewbees.com, about halfway down. I think it's on the left-hand side. There's a link to the Discord. Now, we do have something that was kind of unplanned. It came in at the last minute here as we're wrapping up, but... After the exit music on this episode, I had a chance to catch up with Elizabeth. She happened to drop by and chat with me for a few minutes. Elizabeth is my middle daughter. So there's her and I just chit-chatting for 20 minutes. It is a whole bunch of random weirdness or whatever. So if you're here strictly for the beekeeping, when the music ends, just go ahead and disconnect and go have a great day. If you want to hear her and I joking around and being silly, stick it out. It's about 20 minutes of her and I just having fun. All right, everybody. So be safe, be happy, be kind to one another, and I will look forward to talking to all of you real soon. Take care of yourselves. Just got back from work. (laughs) How's work today? Not too bad. It wasn't too hot out. So for the listening audience, please tell us, everybody. Well, let's start off, ladies and gentlemen, this is Elizabeth, a.k.a. The Bird. And uh, she is, I don't want to steal your thunder or give away too much information, but why don't you share with the listening audience your occupation, your full-time status of what you do during the year, favorite color, anything else we should know about. Thank you. Sure. I'll start with favorite color. That's an easy one. Okay, Favorite color is blue. Mm, Blue. That's nice. Yeah. It's kind of like the the ocean or the sky. Sure is. Maybe I should have said yellow and black for a bee. Mm, Well played. But blue. Uh, I work at Adventure Works Wetland Zipline Park right now. I've been working there for about two years and nine days. And I work there summers and winters around school. About to go into my third year at the University of Virginia. I'm majoring in cognitive science, minoring in public policy. Great. And the motto there is Roll Tide, right? Is that? No. I must have you confused with a different school. I'm, I go apologize. Who's. Okay. Okay. Well, good. I did hear a story today about a young man, a six-year-old boy in Mexico, fell off of a zipline thing, 40 feet. He's okay, allegedly, or something like that. But let's talk about some of the important safety measures that are taken there, just to make sure that if any listeners happen to show up and they want to partake in the activities, we want to assure them that their safety is of the utmost uh, priority. Yeah, absolutely. We had some people come up I get this a lot, actually. They'll come up to fill out their waivers, and the first thing they say is, I just watch videos of people falling off zip lines, which is a terrible idea. Never start by watching people fail at what you're about to do. But um, other than that, we always keep people hooked into a safety line before they go off. We are visually inspecting everyone's harnesses on every line. We make sure that all the courses are good to go before we send people out for the day, inspecting all of our gear, all of our lines. And we make sure that people are clipping in the appropriate way. We teach them how to do it. We're always there. You're always sandwiched between two guides. So we're always making sure everything's hooked in right. And that's about it.
Now, just to make sure the audio is clear here, you are sandwiched between two guides and not guides. two guides. Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. Okay, so as a non-ziplining expert, what are some limitations of the park? As an example, let's say I'm pushing 225, 250. Am I welcome there at the park? Very good question. We do have, for our specific park, every park is going to have different equipment, different styles. But for our specific one, we do have a recommended age and weight range. So just for maturity reasons, we usually say younger than six. We don't really want to have them out on the lines. It could be a little scary. But as far as weight, we typically say 50 to 250 is our ideal range, just because we don't want people who are really light coming in too slow and not making it, or people who are on the heavier side. We don't want them to be coming in and hitting their feet on the ground before they make it to the platform. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, that's good. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, what else is new? What else is going on with you? So you have your uh, minor in public policy. I'm sorry, what was the first part there? Majoring in cognitive science. Cognitive science. So I think this would be a great opportunity to share with you a little bit about some other things. Yeah, uh, another class that I am taking at UVA, I've been started it this past year. I'm taking American Sign Language. I'm pretty interested in that. I have been trying to kind of learn some things on my own, but it's always best to learn from a deaf instructor who I am learning from at UVA right now. Uh, really enjoy that. I do a lot of extra things with them. We have a lunch every Friday where we all, it's completely voice off. We all sign to each other. It's professors and students of all levels. That's, I feel like, where I learn a lot because it's outside of the classroom. can just kind of interact with a lot of different people. They always have events for us. Recently, I went and saw Niall DeMarco, who is a famous deaf actor, model, producer, writer. Went and saw his talk in Charlottesville. And I actually helped usher for that event, which was really fun and eye-opening. And then he signed my book. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Very good. Very good. Okay. So we are into July. We're pushing the 4th of July here. Not too long, depending on when this actually gets released. This will be released before 4th of July. So big 4th of July plans this year. What do you got? Not much. I will be back in Charlottesville visiting a friend. But... Um, I'm not sure what we're going to be doing yet. Okay. And then with that, you got about six or seven weeks before the school year starts again. So in addition to the, uh, the, the educational pursuits and the sign language work and some of the other things, what, what are any other kind of volunteer activities or other activities you're engaged in there on campus? My two primary other clubs at school is I am an editor for the Virginia Undergraduate Law Review, which is sort of a new club that was just started recently by a couple uh, political policy, philosophy, and law majors. So I'm editing a couple articles for them this upcoming year. And I'm also part of the peer health educators. They work with, they're trained through the student health uh, system, and we work to educate students on things like mental health, drug and alcohol use, things like that. So I'm going to be an intern with them coming up this next year to work as the outreach coordinator, developing all of our scripts and planning when we're going to go to these outreaches. Okay, so this would probably not be the appropriate time to make keg jokes or anything like that then? Absolutely not, but if you're going to drink, drink safely. Okay, so what the key takeaway here is if you're using a glass container, pour it into a plastic cup, that way you don't have anything that could break. 
Is that what kind of you're going with the safety issues of we, that? We have our safer strategies, things like counting your drinks, not having anything that you don't know what's in it, buddy systems, space and pace, drinking water, eating something with uh, protein ahead of time. That sounds like a pretty solid approach. Okay, so what else you got for me? Anything else here? I know it's been a long day at work, so you're probably a little tired trying to hydrate. I'm going to have Moe's for dinner. Can I say that? You can say that, absolutely. Uh, Moe's is a big sponsor of the podcast, <laughs> and uh, they've, they've taken over all of our uh, all of our advertising away from Chipotle previously, so that's oh, good. Oh, dang. Yeah. I like Chipotle, too. Yeah, well, Moe's has been really stepping up with their sponsorship. Um, we still have the sponsorship from Red Thunder, which is a product of Aldi Energy Drink, so they're still sponsoring a little bit. Uh, right now, we do have a big thing that is actual true that's going on with Rosetta Stone right now. Now, I don't know when you're listening to this, but if you go to rosettastone.com uh, forward slash honey, it might not be working today. You got to wait a couple of days. I can't tell you about the offer because it hasn't been announced yet. But if you go to rosettastone.com forward slash honey, there is a special offer that will be kicking off in about three or four days. Should I not mention that I don't like honey? So that was Elizabeth already. <laughs> what do you mean you don't like honey? Not like straight up honey. If it's like in something, maybe it's fine. How about honey in tea? Not like really. a little bit, of, a little bit of honey. Or if you have a sore throat or something. No, you. No, 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 no. I'm a little concerned. You've known this. I don't. I don't think I've known that. I it never doesn't. eat it. If it's like in a food and I can't really taste it, it's fine. How can you not like honey? That's like saying I don't like ice cream or something. I mean, like I don't like ice cream. Oh, get out! Get right out of town. That's a lot. I like ice cream. Okay. Uh, let's see where we are with things. Uh, how's Renee? <laughs> Renee's good. Renee is my my hometown best friend. I have my Charlottesville best friend, who's my roommate, and then my Virginia Beach best friend. Okay. Uh, <laughs> good. Renee's good. Just got two new beagles. Okay, and then uh, I don't want to mention the other names because the one person has a very unique name. If I mention his name, like everybody would know, ends in like R-I, Chris and that guy. <laughs> well, Chris is a very common name. Yeah. If I mention his name, everybody's going to know him. I don't want to like call him out. Those guys doing all right? Yeah, I went, They can I, I don't want to say where they work. <laughs> well, you probably don't. Well, I, I mean, went to the place where they work to go get a milkshake and I couldn't even see them because they weren't there gotcha okay this is not good content right now what's that <laughs> this is not good. i'm just talking about people okay well it's always good to check in with everyone and see what's going on so uh, you probably know your friend the fee beekeeper i do yes yes yeah, so she did, did poke her head in here a minute ago she had committed to spending time with us uh tonight and then before tonight she actually committed to spending time with us last night and then a couple of days ago, she came into the day before. So this is about three days in the row where she had said she would be here to record. Yeah, and she actually feels really bad about that because she thought you were going to do it yesterday. Okay. So maybe we shouldn't do the guilt trip thing then. Okay, we'll leave that out then. We won't <laughs> We won't guilt her into So Phoebe, when you listen to this, don't worry. We're just giving you a hard time. Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, well, I don't know if I have anything else for you. I mean, I don't want, you know, we got, you know, 10 minutes of us just chit chatting here. I don't want to, anything else you'd like to share with the crew before we leave? Or? There was a stingray off the dock. Okay. Earlier. That's good. That's good. How does one differentiate between a stingray and a skate? 
I don't know. I don't either. I've kind of been wondering about that. So if anybody knows, just jump in the Discord room. Just let us know the difference between a stingray and a skate. Another one that I'd like to know about, if, yes. if you know or anyone else knows, is the difference like behavior-wise between an alligator and a crocodile. Because I heard that crocodiles mm. are more aggressive, sort of like bee versus wasp. Like the alligators are like the bees and the crocodiles are like the wasps. I don't know if I'd go like that. I mean, the alligator, they're going to roll you. I mean, you mess around in their pond, you're getting... You're getting rolled. Right, but if you mess with the hive, you might get stung. Yeah, it's a little different, though. So you can go into a hive with a good, gentle honeybee, and you can... We have a couple members who have posted videos of themselves actually in their hives, no gear on. I yell at them routinely, like, hey, you shouldn't do that, hey, you shouldn't do that, hey, you shouldn't do that, but they don't listen to me. You know how to, but uh, the alligator, narrower snout. I know it definitely has a more narrow snout than the crocodile. But, yeah, I don't... I mean, they're they're probably a little more angry. And don't crocodiles get longer? I don't think I don't think alligators get to be as big as crocodiles. I don't know. I'm just talking about behavior. Well, behaviorally, I think they're a little bit more aggressive. The croc. Okay. Well, hey, listen. Anybody who wants to share information about alligators and crocodiles for Elizabeth, we'll be sure to pass that along to her. Thank you. And uh, oh, uh, well, for those of you who listened to this before Saturday, which is going to be the is that the first. Yes. In the Discord room, there's an area where you can post. We have a interview being done on Saturday. And if you would like to have your questions brought before the interviewee, I'm not going to give away all her details yet. I want to save it for an exciting announcement. But uh, any questions you might have, drop those in the Discord. Or if you're not in Discord and you want to have a question answered, just shoot me an email, jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. And I will be sure to get that question answered by her during our chat on Saturday. So, Elizabeth. Yes. Any parting words? No. Okay. Well, thank you for proudly representing the University of Virginia while you're sitting there wearing an ODU Monarchs shirt. It's for Leah. Okay. Leah is the oldest sister. So, hi, Leah, out there, even though I don't think you listen to the podcast. Hi, Leah. All right. Well, thank you for stopping by in in uh, in the absence of our Phoebe Keeper friend. It was great to see you again. And thank you for all the updates on the Pure Health Educator things going on at UVA. And who's Broad Stripes and Bright Stars? Sorry, I just had uh-huh. to. Because the who's, like, who's. Oh, oh. So at it. University of Virginia, it's like they're. Like no, they're, we're the Cavaliers. Yeah, the, there's a who involved. We're the Cavaliers. I'm pretty sure there's a who in there somewhere. No? Okay. All right, everybody. Well, we are going to go back to our regularly scheduled program. People are going to think I'm dumb. <laughs> Definitely. There's also Wahoos. <laughs> They're not going to think you're dumb. No, because the mascot is the Cavalier, but then everyone at UVA drank a lot, so other schools were like, oh, let's call them the Wahoos because it's a fish that can drink twice its weight. So it was like a nickname, but then we just adopted it. So who's? Okay. Well, that's a great explanation there. Yeah, put that in there. Thank you for educating I everybody. I just don't people think I'm dumb. Like, I don't know Nobody thinks studying. you're dumb. I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow, and I'll be like, yeah, I got six emails of people saying they thought you were dumb. That's really weird. That wouldn't be nice. No. All right, everybody. We're going to turn it over to the regularly scheduled program here. Elizabeth, thank you so much for dropping by this evening. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Do you have a theme song? Do I have a theme song? I can play something for Oh, wait. Well, this is good, actually. Hold on. So... You might remember this from before. This is where people are going to get angry. They're like, I just, I'll get a review and it'll be like, I just wanted to listen to B stuff. And his daughter came in there and was talking about, hold on, hold on. Um, 
So the problem I'm up against is I really can't see right now. He's colorblind. No, stop it. Okay, here we go. How's that one? Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Okay, so. Yo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, yeah. I don't like that one. <laughs> you don't like that one? No. Okay, I'll go home. Uh, no, this is this is the one that reminds me of um, that guy. Uh, oh, who that that one teacher in Beavis and Butthead? Never seen it. Hey, everybody, how you doing? It's a great day for a little beekeeping today. So we're gonna go out on the nature trail and take a little hike later. And hope you all come along for the journey. All right. So that one's a fun one. In a world where beekeeping. Oh, that was, was you. Just what? Yeah, that's me. I thought that was part of the recording. No, no, no that was me just now doing. Oh, do it again. That. Okay, hold on, wait, wait. Okay. In a world where beekeeping was just a hobby, you thought you were coming here for the honey, but no, you're here to spend the money in your new Ford F one fifty. And listen to an interview with me. Bees, okay. Bees, bees, hold on, hold on, wait. Let's see. Yeah, girl. You know. <laughs> It's time to go get those honeybees. Bees. Because <laughs> you know they've been flying all day long. This is so weird. Isn't it funny? No. That's a great one. Oh, here's my favorite. This is one of my favorites. Oh, girl, tonight. No. no okay, hold on. Right. Yeah. This bees, is a good one. Bees, no, I got one. Here we go. It's bees. <laughs> Been working on the beehive Cause they are all alive Don't feed that granulated sugar Cause this it makes me <laughs> What'd you say? I said this needs to stop No, that's a bad one Hold on Hey everybody, hey, welcome back We've been keeping bees here now for two or three years and Yeah Yeah, it's really good And uh, we got uh, Elizabeth back there on the old uh, drums there Drums? What do you got there? Elizabeth? Yeah <laughs> So that's what I have as far as the music goes. Those are fun. I play around with like nobody else I think appreciates it as much as I do. But then you, well, then you have bees. little ghosts. I think things need the word bee in them. Bees, 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 bees. Those are birds. That's no, crickets. Crickets. Those are crickets. We have these uh, frogs at work and they sound like goats. And people don't believe me when I say that they're frogs because they go meh. And everyone's like, there's a sheep here. That's great. <laughs> that was good. That was good. No, that's great. So it reminds me of like the Coquies from uh, Puerto Rico. Did you already stop recording? Just one. No, it's still, it's still Oh, going. great. Yeah, well, we're going to play this for everybody later on. Great. Very cool. So Can we'll we... just label it as like outtakes. And if they want to oh. listen to it, they can. If they don't. Because I mean, I'm sure there are there are a lot of people who are like, I really just want to hear about the bees. I don't. I don't. Do you call them beeple? Oh, well played. That's. <laughs> That's this great, terrible. <laughs> so here at Seasons Eatings, do you remember that? <laughs> you probably haven't seen that clip. It's an SNL clip from a long time ago. No, I have not. Beeple. Well, that's for the bees, the new bees. Oh, yeah. I was going to say you need like a fan club name. Well, then you have beaks, like people that are like bee geeks, like B-E-E-K. No, because that sounds like a bird thing. A bird thing? Oh, like a... Like a beaks. Yeah, well, hmm. yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to find bee puns. Bee puns. 
May have to edit edit out some of the dead time. Oh, I got one. You got one? What do you call a clumsy bug? A fumblebee. Oh, wow. Wait, wait. Oh, you know what I need is the badoomch. I don't have it, though. Oh, dang. I guess the closest thing I have is probably just like a... That's good. That's good. Okay. (laughs) If there's a bee in my hand, what's in my eye? Hmm. Beauty, because beauty is in the eye of the beeholder. Oh, wow. (laughs) Get it? Because there's a bee in your hand. Oh, oh, okay. Now I get that. I'm a little slow sometimes. What would bears be without bees? Ears. Ears. Oh, I got a little bad. I was close. Yeah. Why did the bee go to the dermatologist? Hmm. It had hives. like this okay. what do bees like with their sushi i think this one's easy mm, really? wasabi oh <laughs> i don't know about that one <laughs> this one's stupid i'm not reading that <laughs> okay no one at the party wanted to hear the bee talk about himself but he just kept droning on <laughs> oh wow uh, I think that's about all I got. Okay. All right. Well. Okay. I'm going to eat dinner now. Okay. Well, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up then. Truck running okay? I need to fix the tail light. Or Truck. we need to fix, you need to fix the tail light. Is it the backup light or the tail light? It's on the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that narrows it down for us. When I When it's dark and I reverse, I can't see at my mirror what's behind me. But normally you can. Like you used to be able to. Oh, yes. Or as some would say, you used to could. No. Uh, I would say that it's probably that reverse light, again, just needs to be taken out. Let's fix that before I drive. When are you driving again? Sunday morning. Yeah, let's do that tomorrow. Well, that's not when I'm driving again, but that's when I'm making a big drive. I'm working the night zip on Saturday. The night zip on Saturday? Yeah. That's just crazy. Do you have glow sticks or how do they do that to keep people safe? The guides get a headlamp and all the guests get one glow stick around their neck. And other than that, it's dark. Hmm. Sounds a little scary, a little unsafe. I don't know if I can. Totally safe. Totally safe. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, hey, thanks again for dropping by. Good seeing you again as always. And uh, if anybody is looking at coming to the University of Virginia, we'll just have them reach out to you. As a local guide. and um, Sounds great. Okay, good, good. Well, hey, have a fine evening, and uh, we'll go ahead and sign off, everybody, and, and we'll talk to y'all later. So long. Bye! <laughs> Don't put that on there. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Is like the cats? Yeah. Bye! <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> Bye. Okay, we'll see you later.